0: Welcome to the Do One Better podcast, where every week I focus on philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi, and I hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Keep on listening if you want to improve the world. Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London, and it's great to have our global listeners joining us today again. As you may know already, uh, the purpose of the Do One Better podcast is to inspire listeners to be more philanthropic, to embrace sustainability and social entrepreneurship. And the one bit that I think is worth underscoring from the outset is that it'd be great if you subscribe to the podcast. Every time you do, it helps our rankings, and that means that we have more visibility as global listeners search for podcasts of this nature. And so if you do subscribe, it would be highly appreciated. And without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Alex Fehi. He is the uh, CEO and founder of Ethical Angel. And the interesting bit here, it's a social entre- enterprise, but it's a conversation that uh, Alex and I started as a consequence of this very podcast. So he is a listener. He's a 30-year-old uh, entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, comes from a uh, investment management background. And so, Alex, welcome on board.
1: Hi, Aldo. Thank you very much for having me. Congratulations on your recent position in the Apple iStore
0: uh, podcast it's well, great no it, it it was very heartening to see our, our podcast on the new and noteworthy section um, that's uh, thanks for that and well congratulations to you on your on your nascent venture and tell us a little bit more about ethical angel I mean the way I understand it is it's a social enterprise it's meant essentially to connect corporates and employees with really great causes that are aligned with the sustainable development goals. Is that more or less what's going on there?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ethical Asia is all about creating experiences for individuals. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is be able to mobilize the private sector and the employees within the private sector specifically for ways to find challenges and causes that they can support all around the world that are trying to, to make the world a bit better. And especially relevant at the moment uh, with the SDG uh, goals coming up for their 10-year uh, countdown, uh, what we really want to see is more people finding things that they care about, align to those particular SDGs, and giving them an easy conduit to action them. And then, of course, what we then do is collect all that information and present it back to the employer to create the sustainable model.
0: hmm and you're based in London. You have a very aesthetically pleasing technology platform. Are your clients and the organizations that you try to assist, are they all based here in the UK?
1: Yeah. I mean, we are, we're still very embryonic. Uh, we only really went to market at the beginning of this year. And whilst it's been a great year so far, uh, the businesses that we're working with are predominantly UK-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that we are talking to, and there's about, about 190 at the last count, um, do have offices all around the world. So we see, we see the UK specifically as a stepping stone. Uh, we feel that the technology and the market is ripe for this sort of solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ambition is very much to provide this, uh, conduit, uh, for more people around the world. How did you get into this?
0: How did this idea come around?
1: Uh, kind of by accident okay <laughs> if i'm totally honest i, I mean ethical angel uh, as i'm sure your more astute listeners will be able to guess uh, was meant to be a fund for angel investors into ethical investments okay um and with my background being being in that sector that seemed like a very natural progression for my personal ambition which was to try to find a uh, better ways to support the causes that are doing so much on the front line uh to overcome the big people and planetary and social problems that we're all facing as a global community. But I didn't know much about it. I didn't know much about how we could deliver a real tangible impact. Mm -hmm. And after two years, so we started this in in 2016, uh, September, 2016, uh, two years of going around, talking to people, asking questions, it became evident that actually there's something much more valuable that we could uh, create. And that's essentially trying to take some of the, goodwill and the resource and the interest from private sector and deliver it efficiently to meet the specific challenges of global social causes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so if I'm a corporate uh, entity uh, here in the UK or indeed anywhere, but if I'm a corporate mm-hmm. entity, first of all, which individual from my side would be speaking to you? Is it the, uh, the CSR manager? Is it the Director of Sustainability is it their CEO? Who would mm-hmm. be the point person in a corporate side generally reaching out to you? Tell me a little bit about that. How, how is that? How are people these clients engaging with you? What, what does that relationship look yeah. like?
1: I think it's I think it's a really interesting question, and it's one that we are continuing to explore and refine. I think effectively for a business to be able to look at this as a value proposition, they need to have a champion internally who's willing to put the time in to be proactive around this sort of uh, solution. Uh, so we have experienced people from CSR, we've experienced people from human resources, learning and development, internal communications, uh, corporate affairs, uh, right up to C-suite, actually leading that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of how we develop that relationship, we create a proposal outland- out outlining uh, what we're hoping to achieve together in our partnership, and then explain sort of the timeframes around that. But then when we actually launch, the business input is relatively minimal.
0: okay? Because
1: of the power of the technology creates individual experiences for individual employees. So every employee will have a totally unique uh, experience of the Ethical Angel platform and the causes and the challenges that they are provided with access to. Uh, then the person sitting next to them or the person in the other office or the person the other side of the country. And that's because their interests and their skill sets are in themselves unique.
0: So therefore, each individual within a corporate has an an individual experience.
1: That's absolutely correct. And then by by being able to uh, look at the data that, that gets extracted from that individual's activity, we can then look at how different teams are contributing to society or what they're learning from it or how they feel about being provided with this sort of opportunity Mm -hmm. we can look at uh wide demographics we can look at geographics and begin to build up detailed insight from which the businesses and the decision makers right up to the c-suite can extrapolate useful insight to make business decisions and that could be around how do we engage our people better or how do we align our purpose or our interests with what the marketing department in Croydon think or what Generation Z think in America. So it's all about providing that insight back to the business.
0: And that insight isn't just for the manager, but also I suppose for the individual employee as well, to get a feel for what they've contributed. is that correct? And they can they have this 100%. ability to the, So they have yeah. this ability to the analytics as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they they would they'd obviously only see their individual mm-hmm. analytics, obviously not that of the wider community. But specifically, the sort of reward loops that we create for mm-hmm. individuals are around are around providing them with opportunities to either take ownership of a particular opportunity. So, I think if we're looking at a uh, a young person, so that myself, going when I first started off investment management, the actual opportunity to practice my skill set over a whole entire project was was very restricted. Mm -hmm. And that's typical. But of course, the uh, demographics coming through or beginning to take over workplaces expect to have more entitlement, perhaps more opportunity to take ownership over stuff uh, than previous generations. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the sorts of things that we're seeing from the data that's coming back to us is that employees within these organizations, it could be accounting, it could be law, it could be consultancy, whatever it is, are for the first time being able to explore an opportunity, provide the advice and then implement a solution totally on their own, which in itself is incredibly valuable to that person. But not only that, by completing that exercise, the soft skill development, that they're able to capture. So not the normal stuff that you get from university or that you get internally at work. It's a problem solving, it's Mm a critical thinking, it's the presentation, right down to just being able to share your ideas with other people. Over something like a podcast, mm-hmm. it's that sort of reward that we're really trying to present to employees. So it's less uh, gamified in the sense of "here's your ranking" or "you get an extra Halo star" <laughs> or whatever it is. Sure, it's more about providing that experience.
0: And so these individuals can not just volunteer in some sort of disjointed manner, as is often the case, where mm. you know a company that has nothing to do with building houses is deploying their team to build houses. But in this case, you're generally trying to engage with these employees who have specific skill sets and experiences and trying to get them to leverage those specific tools to solve somebody else's problems.
1: Exactly that. And then to feel that endorphin release from doing it and recognizing that you've made a valuable contribution. I think the evolvement of CSR over time is, is fascinating. And I think there'll always be a place for big company initiatives. And we're not looking to detract from that. Um, And in the same way, there'll still be team days where people can go out and do something together. Mm -hmm. For us, it's all about providing an easy uh, opportunity for individuals to, in themselves, feel rewarded for being able to deliver something that they can immediately see the value of.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, if I step back a little bit and I look at this proposition, not only is one looking at the possibility of improving society at large, but I think Mm -hmm. also there is the opportunity to improve the optics of a company, to improve mm. the bottom line, to improve human capital retention, uh, many things that have nothing to do with improving the world but actually are good for somebody who only cares about business as well. Correct. I, I suppose it'll, it it ticks the boxes for, for quite a few individuals irrespective of what is driving yeah. their their, yeah. their piece.
1: Uh, but you're, you're, and you're absolutely right to pick up on that. And it's been very carefully put into our proposition, you know, I think ever since Friedman's talked about businesses and their relationship with shareholders, we've had to identify that the only way to ensure that this model is sustainable, but will also grow and be taken up by additional organizations is that if we can illustrate clearly the business case for providing your employees with this sort of opportunity, Mm -hmm. and you're right, that's everything from productivity to employee engagement. Uh, to linking up with your supply chains, because so much of the world is connected now. You could have your office in London supporting a cause. Uh, I mean, for example, we've got one that's in Uganda, who's currently getting help with their human resources legislation. Mm -hmm. And what this then frees up for the people within that community is vast, but also it connects a part of your demographic within your workplace with somewhere where they would not necessarily be able to connect through you as an organisation. Anyway, so you're absolutely right to pick up on it. We do make uh, we, we do make the business case very evident, and you're right. And It's all about ticking as many boxes as possible to ensure that we can continue to deliver this service to social enterprises and other causes.
0: Because I think we've all been there, right, When you're trying to prepare an annual report and yeah. uh, everybody's scrambling for the impact numbers. Everybody's scrambling for um, you know what's the reach, what are the figures? I suppose your platform also makes that exercise a little bit easier and less challenging and less yeah. intimidating.
1: Yeah. I mean about several weeks easier probably. <laughs> I right. Think, by the latest count. Uh, right. Yeah. What's what's
0: your um what's your organization look like? What's your firm look like if if you're able to talk about it in terms of balance sheet? I'm not gonna get into cash flow projections, but what's it yeah. look like? Because I imagine there's quite a few people out there listening to to this who are entrepreneurial at heart and either have just started something or are looking to start it. And I'd love to find a little bit more about the financials and also yeah. the funding sources.
1: Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll try to be as transparent as I can with where we are with uh, several potential investors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say to any potential entrepreneurs, uh, it's 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 an interesting journey. Uh, but before committing in anything, just make sure there's a market ready for it. And from that you can start to gauge some of your forecasting. I suppose we started. Going, we launched in September last year. Three months of essentially getting everything in place, and then going to market in January. We had a few, we had three or four clients by January. Uh, since then we've got about fourteen to eighteen. We've got about thirty-seven in procurement, and like I said, another hundred ninety uh, that we're talking with. Mm-hmm. Um, of those, you know, we don't know how many will actually complete. Uh, fingers crossed we get as many of them as possible. When we went to find, or when I went to look for people to back this sort of uh, solution, and with any technology solution, your costs are always Mm front-loaded because you've got to build something, and then you've got to test it, you've got to refine it uh, before you can really go to market. So you've got to find believers. And I was very fortunate in finding Paul Williams and Peter Moyes, uh, who I knew from uh, my previous life. Uh, in investment management and managed to get across to them initially just a social benefit. And it was from that that they started getting more interested and started bringing together their resources, which as for any early investor uh, is worth so much more than just capital. You -hmm. you can find, if you really needed to, you can find the money through credit cards or friends, family, fools or, or working four different jobs just to get what you need. But it's that insight and it's that experience, which for me has been uh, impossible to value. And it's certainly got us to where we are now. Uh, We're now talking. uh, So we've raised about 200 and something or other, uh, 220, 230,000 pounds through Mm -hmm. angel investors. Um, I've always had one rule, which is no family, no friends. And of course, someone who's not a family and not a friend is going to perhaps be more cynical. (laughs)
0: <laughs> where does somebody go for funding so okay yeah. no family no friends in in your in your uh parameters where does an entrepreneur at the very early stages of an yeah. enterprise where are the sources of uh of funding that they might uh want to consider
1: i it's it's a great question um and i'm fortunate enough to be in a position now where i can uh actually provide some degree of support to uh to other young entrepreneurs who are coming through. And I say the same thing to all of them. You've got to go out and talk to people. Uh, It sounds really basic. Uh, You've got to go to all of these network events. You've got to get the opportunity to go to these pitching events. If you go on Eventbrite or if you look at internet and and look at investment clubs or angel investment networks, there are numerous places where you can go to share your idea. And they will provide you with so much valuable intelligence of just questioning your product or your solution, mm-hmm. which you can then of course refine. I mean, the two-year time frame that I had to explore this was uh, in the evenings and weekends, whilst working full time somewhere else. But having that two-year time frame, I got to ask all those questions, and people will tell you what they need. So you can talk to the CEO of a big business, or you can talk to someone working in charity, or you can talk to people down the pub who want to go and volunteer, and ask them what it is that they want. And then you spend that time creating it. And then once you feel that you've created something which ticks as many of those boxes as possible, that's when you can start to look at some of these groups and start talking to um, these networks about how to find that initial believer in what you're trying to create.
0: And putting aside your um, your advisory board and mm. the, the, the venture capital or angel investors who, who you have yeah. with you, I imagine are invaluable sources of information and support, but do you have a peer network? Do you have, when you you need to bounce some ideas with somebody who's not going to be judgmental, but are there other entrepreneurs with whom you, um, you speak regularly or what's that look like?
1: 100%. Um, it's, it's, it's a bizarre job role, especially for a first time founder and, and infinitely lonely with huge peaks and huge drops in your emotional disposition. So you need to find someone to bounce ideas off um, and to bounce feelings off. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a great person who's who's recently come on board uh, called Morgan, who's who's my sort of prime go to uh, sort of <laughs> emotional uh, outpouring. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of other CEOs, there are yeah a few other people that I've come to know, finding them through things like LinkedIn. You can mm-hmm. see people who have been doing it so perhaps for perhaps two years, three years, five years. 10 years longer than you, and you yeah. put together, or what I've done is I've, I've put together sort of a, a little group, and I'll go and see them every couple of months for a coffee or a chat or walk in the park and, and share some of my concerns and thoughts about yeah. what I'm doing. Um, personally, I'm, I'm entirely motivated by self doubt. And so having someone to remind you that your journey is not unique in terms of its peaks and troughs um, has again been a really good stabilizer. Uh, on an emotional level,
0: I noticed that uh, on your website there's a, a an advisory board and you have mm. ambassadors. Tell me about the advisory board. There's a couple of people or one in particular who I've met before, purely mm. purely by chance but yeah why why do you have an advisory board? What do you yield from that and and how do they enhance the overall standing and likely success of the firm
1: oh i, I hugely. I mean, the one thing, however much work I put in or however much money I raise, I can't compound experience. So it seemed like a logical route to take to find people who had done this already and were specialists in their particular fields, were highly experienced, had maybe had big wins and potentially big losses, from which I could draw a very particular insight. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the ambassador board formed essentially around one individual a guy called Stephen O'Brien, who set up something similar to Ethical Angel uh, a few decades ago called Business in the Community. Mm -hmm. And he went off and did various other things, and he's been a huge social enterprise champion. So having someone like that to be able to tell you about what they experienced and and the pitfalls that they saw uh, to come on board was great. And then we kind of built our network of the Ambassador Board, the Advisory Board, around Stephen and our existing board. So we would have a meeting perhaps every month. We'd identify an area where we felt weak. And that could be in our PR and our marketing or our communication. How do we tell people about what is quite a complicated idea? How do we simplify it as much as possible? And then we'd go off and we'd scour the internet for who we believe to be the very best person possible. Uh, we don't offer our ambassadors any form of remuneration. There's no, <laughs> there's no, I mean, they might get an occasional lunch. But right. That's generally about it. So we try to make them as proud as possible to be associated uh, with what we're doing.
0: And in terms of success, what does that look like to you? And normally, I ask people about three, five, ten-year horizons. Yeah, um, ten-year horizon might be might be a bit challenging to predict for you, as such a young firm. But yeah, what does success look like to you in five or ten years? Where, where would you hope to be?
1: In terms of success, uh, for me, and I think on behalf of the team, is if we can affect. As many individuals with valuable experiences that result in a highly positive social impact, that would be great. If we work towards the 10 years between now and the SDGs uh, being completed, I would love to be able to present F Angels data on what global businesses have done through their people to make a real difference.
0: Was it difficult on the technology side, just getting it all set up? I mean, I don't know if you know how to code or if you had to, Mm. you know, just I'm interested in how you get a nice looking platform up and running.
1: Well, I mean, there is there's a fantastic organization that we've been working with to get to that point. Okay. Uh, again, the luxury of having the time to really understand what it is that we need and why we need it enables you to be more specific with your developers. And in terms of finding your developers in the first place, uh, to ensure that the eventual uh, creation is beautiful, simplistic, uh, and highly intuitive. So if I'm running a corporate and I'm interested in this conversation,
0: how do I reach out to you if I wanted to ask you some follow-up points? Or are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? What's the best way to to get a hold of you and and continue that conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, the the best way is to go to ethicalangel.com. And that okay. provides with all our our contact details. And absolutely, I'm I'm keen to talk to anyone who runs social enterprises, anyone who works within businesses, anyone who's looking for advice in terms of getting into this market. I'm generally, and I think the team are as well, absolutely passionate about the area that we're working in. And It's got such huge opportunity to create a difference. Uh, so if anyone does want to get in touch, uh, please do.
0: I imagine that not only does the individual employee have visibility into the analytics and also the um, the management,
1: mm. but I
0: suppose you as an entity as well can probably quantify just how many employees, how many hours, how many causes mm. have materialized as a consequence of your platform. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, we can see. I mean, we, we capture about 30 different metrics at the moment. Okay. Um, what's harder to capture, and if you've got any listeners here who know the answer, uh, please do get in touch, but it's how do we capture ongoing qualitative impact? So, I mean, very, very quick example. If there's an employee who knows a particular surgeon who's able to help uh, a child in a particular country, uh, how do we then gauge the impact as a result of that, especially sort of butterfly effect over any given period of time? Right. We're very good at capturing immediate data immediate output but what we'd love to be able to explore is a way of sort of applying some sort of social currency so we could essentially capture this information going on further and further and further into time thanks so much
0: alex for for joining me today and joining our listeners today uh, i have to say it's been very insightful and um, there were a couple of things you said that were counterintuitive that i actually a bit of food for thought for me And I sincerely wish you the best of luck with your uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. I have a good feeling that uh, you'll be um, going from strength to strength. And for our listeners, thank you very much as well for joining us. Very important to have you on board. And uh, again, please do subscribe to the podcast. It makes a huge difference for us if you do. And it means that other people who are looking for this sort of uh, uh, content will be able to find us and will reach a broader audience and inspire people all over the world. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the episode notes, links, additional resources, Alex' bio, please go to our website at Liji.org. That's dot org. You'll get a hold of all that information along with all the other episodes uh, that we've had uh, in, in recent uh, weeks and months. And thank you very much, everyone. And Alex, thank you very much as well. Thanks, everybody. Perfect. Take good care.